Today I get my full movie review of the movie Jesus Revolution. I do so not only because I think it was a good movie, but because much like the movie depicts, there's a group of people then and now who are looking for meaning and purpose and doing so in all the wrong places. As a class of victims rise up in our midst, I'll tell you why it's important that we make sure that people are looking for meaning and purpose in something much more existentially important than victimization. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans and the Kevin Blair team. Hopefully by now you understand how important boycotting is. You can boycott companies that you disagree with, but it's also important to re-divert that money into companies you do agree with. And I can tell you that not only does Kevin Blair and the team over at Element Home Loans care about the things that you care about by virtue of the fact that they're endorsing this show, but also they day after day provide great customer service to people in our community because they care about integrity. Now, in order to experience that yourself, you need to go to kbmtg.com today to see how they can help you get into a new home. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Now, last week on the show, I did something that I think is vitally important. I tried to hold the media accountable. Now, in this case, it was not the mainstream media. It was actually a media source that I that I really deeply appreciate. In fact, on Thursday's show, you'll hear how the free press is exposing some of the lies that have been going on in the media and with our government as it pertains to COVID. So you definitely don't want to miss that. But but I, I very much appreciate Barry Weiss and the reporters that work for her over at Free Press. And um, I, I even have appreciated the reporting of Megan Phelps Roper, who did this, this new J.K. Rowling podcast on the witch trials of J.K. Rowling or the Harry Potter series and the controversy that surrounds now, I've appreciated it, everything that they've they've done in the past, and even appreciate this this series. However, they made a claim in their second episode of this podcast where they were trying to essentially assert that the culture wars are overblown and Christians are the worst because they're the ones who are making a big fuss in the culture wars right now, and they're the ones who are behind book burnings and trying to make sure that certain books aren't allowed in schools and all that kind of stuff. So, so this was the idea, and they. The podcaster was was making this claim that back in the 90s, Christians were kind of at the forefront of the culture wars trying to uh, come against J.K. Rowling and and her book. And she she pinpointed the Columbine controversy as as one of the proofs that the that the culture wars were overblown by Christians. Christians are just overreacting, right? This is something that that Ben Shapiro talks about on his show very often, that when uh, the right does something, it's that the left, you know, talking about it is absolutely justified. But whenever the right talks about something the left did, it's the right pouncing. So same thing here kind of is Christians were overreacting in the 90s and they did so in epic fashion when it came to the Columbine shooting. Now, what was she talking about? She was, of course, talking about the fact that it was reported that there were Christians who were targeted by the Columbine shooters, that that they came up to a couple of girls and asked, you know, do you believe in God? And then if they said yes, they pulled the trigger and executed them. And then the church went with this story. It was a story of martyrdom. It was a story of faith in the 20th century. And it was something that uh, we needed to tell everybody as much as we could. Well, it was the contention of the podcaster that these stories were all unfounded and fake and that they actually didn't happen. Well, on my show last week, I provided 
definite evidence of the fact that that this did indeed happen. Now, the reason this is so important is not just the fact that uh, that essentially the podcaster was claiming that these parents were fleecing their dead children and trying to make money off of their dead bodies by selling books and movie deals, all upon a lie. So there's an insinuation there for that. But more importantly, the implication is, is that there is no real victims in the culture war. The culture war is all overblown. But the reality is, is that, yes, godless secularism is a problem. And the, the, the casualties of godless secularism were on full display in the Columbine shooting. So the point is, real victims exist in society, and we need to talk about it. But, but there's also a continuing practice of fake victims rising up in society. Now, this is specifically the case in some statistics that I want to show you here by the human, supposed human rights campaign. And their headline says this. Fatal violence against the transgender and gender nonconforming community in 2022. Now, before I read these, I want to just clarify that any form of violence against any person is bad, but we hear very often that trans people are disproportionately impacted by violence because of their identity, that they, that they are the subject of widespread violence and marginalization, and these numbers need to be talked about as much as possible. So the human rights campaign is here to deliver the numbers to us. But as we'll see, there's one huge problem here. So let's, let's get into the numbers. Sadly, 2022 has already seen at least 38 transgender people fatally shot or killed by other violent means. We say at least because too often these stories go unreported or misreported. In previous years, the majority of these people were black and Latinx, something no Latin person ever says. They were black and Latinx transgender women. In 2021, the Human Rights Campaign tracked a record number of violent fatal incidents against transgender and gender nonconforming people with 50 fatal fatalities tracked. So at least all we can tell from this report is that it is deeply, deeply sad that trans people are not immortal. So apparently those puberty blockers didn't make them immune to acts of violence. Uh, so yeah, there were trans people that died, essentially, is all we have from this report thus, thus far. Well, newsflash to all of you who don't know, and I may be letting you down a little hard here, but I think sometimes it's just better to rip the Band-Aid off. People are subject to acts of violence regardless of their identity every single day in America and around the world because we live in a fallen world. I know the utopianists out there right now are rolling around in their grave, including Marx, but we live in a fallen world. Socialism didn't solve all of our problems, actually made it worse, and uh, people are targeted and for acts of violence all the time. But the implication in this article is that these people were targeted because of their identity. They were targeted because they were trans. But unfortunately, the human rights campaign gives us no such evidence. They only want to insinuate that. And by the way, if these people were quote unquote targeted, or if it has anything to do with their identity, it is simply because trans people are engaged in activity that is disproportionately violent, that is prostitution, drug use, and other dangerous activity like that. So if it has anything to do with their identity, it is just simply because the trans lifestyle is actually a relatively dangerous lifestyle. But these people dying could just simply be 
because they were the victims of some violent attack and somebody was mugging them, but it had nothing to do necessarily with their identity. Now, again, it's a horrible thing whenever anybody dies, whenever anybody is attacked, but we have to know why so that we can understand who the real victims are and why they were victims in the first place. Because the why is deeply important. Because if we go around victimizing a group of people who are not really victims, it is actually incredibly bad. So let me just step back and just say, there is a generation of people who are desperate to be noticed, desperate to know that their lives matter, desperate for attention, They're desperate to know that they're here for a reason. And because we've removed ourselves so far from God, they're finding it harder and harder to to get that attention. You may say, Reed, that's ridiculous. Nobody pays attention to somebody that's complaining. Really? Um, Let me ask you a question. Do you know who Rachel Levine is, the first transgender, uh, you know, assistant secretary of health? Uh, The only reason you probably know who Rachel Levine is, is because this individual is trans. Did you know any other person in his position prior to him? The only reason you know is because his transgenderism has brought him attention. Now, you may know his boss, but you probably don't even know his boss's name. But his boss is actually the important person in Biden's cabinet. But it's Javier Becerra, by the way. And by the way, if you only know his name, it's because of a global pandemic that sweeped this nation because it uh, affected the Department of Health and Xavier Becerra is over that. So again, if you know him, it's only because of a once in a lifetime global pandemic. That's why you know that guy. And you probably don't even know him as much as you know Rachel Levine because you've heard about him over and over and over again. Now, what about this? Ever heard of the name Leah Thomas? Well, of course you have. Why? not because you care about NCAA women's swimming. Has anybody ever cared about anything less than that? The only reason you care about Leah Thomas and the only reason you know about Leah Thomas is that Leah Thomas is a very, very tall, lanky dude with autogynephilia that is competing in women's sports. Now this kind of goes to the problem of providing people artificial attention for things that are not really beneficial artificial attention for things that are not beneficial. That was on the fly, by the way. And and here's why. Because when you reward Leah Thomas with attention and medals and trophies for swimming in women's for, and for swimming in a women's event, you're actually doing Leah Thomas a disservice with that kind of attention. Because the kind of attention that he could get by competing in his own sport with guys his age and around his own ability level, now that's a real reward. We're actually disservicing uh, Will Thomas slash Leah Thomas by rewarding him for competing against girls who are no match for a fully grown dude. See, this idea that you can find the purpose and the meaning that you're looking for through victimization is a real problem in society. So here's why we're looking for it in victimization. The first thing is this, is that we're growing up in a generation where more and more kids do not have dads and they are desperate for attention. And not only do we have no dads, very many of us, but from, for a lot of us, we have bad dads because we've gone from Andy Griffith to, that boy's father. You're responsible for his actions. to Homer as the ideal dad, at least represented in the media. No, no. But here's why we as Christians especially cannot give people the attention they seek when they cry out because they are victims, if they are not truly victims. One, because we have to have compassion 
but we don't want to enable people. See, social interactions are not about affirming you. They're about improving you. See, when we take our ideas and spread them out for the world to see, and we present them to reality, the cold, hard facts of reality are supposed to push against the, the fictitious ideas sometimes that we develop in our head. And so ultimately, if I were to merely affirm you, and I was affirming a lie, or even affirming something that wasn't as healthy as it could be, I would be doing you no favors as a fellow, you know, fellow traveler in this society. See, my job is because I have compassion on you to also help you along the way with the truth and to help you see things from a different perspective. Again, social interactions aren't to affirm you, they're to improve you. And then the, the last thing is this, is that the truth is also meant to protect you. Lies do not. See, you could say that the guardrails on the highway or that the train tracks failing Ohio, uh, Palestine, uh, but, but the train tracks are there to actually guide you and to actually keep you going in a direction that is beneficial. The truth is meant to do the same thing. So when we affirm people or when we allow people to take a victim status that doesn't really belong to them because they're not really victims and we allow them to continue to parade around in that lie, we are not protecting them and providing them the guidance that they desperately need in society. If victimization is a means of merely sidestepping the truth, or if the victimization that you think you possess is not rooted in the truth, then the best thing that we can do is to help people come out of the comfort of their victimization and step into the real world. There's a story that goes along with this that I think is beneficial. It's only after you come out of the comfort of home and you come out of the warm fuzzies of the coats that are found in the wardrobe and go into the cold, hard reality of Narnia, that you can address what's going on with that ice switch and then also eventually find Aslan. See, it's a beautiful Christian allegory for, for the idea that if we remain in the comfort of home, or if we only seek the warm fuzzies and the comforts that can be found in the wardrobe, we will never actually meet Aslan. It's this idea that Kanye told us a long time ago. That don't kill me, can only make me stronger. Difficulty makes you better. See, not only is the first thing that victimization is just this drug based upon secularism, the most important thing is this, is that victimization is a safeguard against difficulty in life. And difficulty can actually be good. It can help you. It can help you grow. It can help you rethink. It can help you become a better person. And most importantly, it's where you meet God. It's where you meet Aslan. You don't do that in the comfort of home. You don't do that in the comfort of the wardrobe. You do that out in the cold reality of the witch's kingdom where you have to confront the evils of this world, where you can then see Aslan and battle against the evil of this world and actually make a difference. That is only done once we strip away the comfort of our victimization and the padding that we put around ourselves because we feel like people have been oppressing us and we get past our butt hurt or whatever has taken place in the past and we actually grow a pair. And apparently you can do that as a woman these days. So I'm talking to you ladies too. We, we actually, that we actually stand up and we take responsibility for ourselves and we address what's going on in the world as truthfully as possible. Then and only then will we leave our victimization and truly become the kind of people that can make a difference in the world. And we'll talk about that more as we jump in our stories today.
Now, I just went to see Jesus Revolution with some friends and wanted to give you guys kind of a brief overview. I, I talked about the movie, at least from the trailer's perspective and from the reaction to Kelsey Grammer, who has been really touched by this role in a, in a very profound way. Now, I, I talked about it from the trailer perspective, but now I wanted to give you kind of my perspective, a full movie review of Jesus Revolution. So Jesus Revolution is a new movie from the guys who made October Baby, Woodlawn, I Can Only Imagine, and so much more. And this time they're tackling the Calvary Chapel movement and the Jesus movement of the 70s, which was a revival that took place among the hippies in Southern California that spread to the rest of the world and has made up today what is the Calvary Chapel movement, which um, has many, many pastors in it that uh, have been taking some social stands as of late, Rob McCoy, Jack Hibbs, and my pastor, Frank Rams, are uh, among them, and, uh, and, and, and been doing so in a profound way. So needless to say, the Calvary Chapel movement made a deep, deep impact in the culture at a very important time during the Vietnam War, during the Love Not War movement, uh, the casual sex movement of the hippie movement, and the casual drug usage, you know, tune out and, uh, uh, and drop, sorry, tune, tune out, tune in, drop out, something like that. I don't remember. Anyway, do a bunch of drugs and have a bunch of sex, and that's how you'll find truth. Okay, congratulations. Our society hasn't grown up much beyond that point. But but here's a couple of reasons why I liked this movie, especially right now at this point in time for us, because I think, uh, it, it, I don't want to be anachronistic here, but but I think we are living in a time much like the 70s in terms of kind of like racial riots and in terms of what's going on with critical race theory and the, and the ether out there and in terms of identity and the crisis that's going on, uh, looking for truth that we find in the, in the trans community. So I really feel like there's some parallels to what's going on in the culture presently to what was going on in the 70s. And, and, and like then, the answer for what's going on in our world today is God. And so I think it's real poignant that Jesus Revolution comes out at a time where we're hearing more and more about things like what's going on at Asbury, even in my neck of the woods at Lee University and other places, because it's a reminder to us that we need God. The answer for everything that's going on in society is is God. Now, the way the movie portrays this is in multiple ways, just the, the goal of the movie and what took place in the 70s with the Calvary Chapel movement, but also there's some sweet scenes in the movie where um, Jesus, Jonathan, Rumer, whatever his name is, the guy that plays Jesus in The Chosen, is speaking to Chuck Colson, and he's talking about the fact that all these hippies that are doing drugs and are trying to um, go after ideals, uh, that they're actually on a journey for truth. They're pilgrims in this land, too, looking for something. They just don't know it can be found in God. I think that's a good reminder that when we provide people the authentic, true Jesus, man, it changes everything. Um, the other thing that I think is this movie shows and depicts is not just the need for God, but also the need for community. Now, there's some messiness as it pertains to community and Lonnie Frisbee and all of that in the movie. And Lonnie Frisbee, by the way, is the guy who Jonathan Rumere plays uh, in the film. Uh, but it does do a relatively good job of talking about the importance of community and people that are looking to know that they can matter. And um, ben Shapiro did a great job on his show talking about this. And, and I think he has a valid point here that we're growing up in a time right now where uh, we, we make this false dichotomy um, 
or at least we we fail to understand what real Christianity is because you hear people like Chris Pratt and and other uh, who others who are prominent Christians in in places of of repute. Um, so he's he's made the comment, oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. We hear this more and more and more from people, even out of the mouths of Christians. Oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, because they're trying to distance themselves from something that they've been told and haven't even ventured to ask if it's actually true. Uh, but this idea is that, uh, this idea of spirituality is that um, we can judge a true faith based upon an inner feeling of connectedness to God. So that's what people mean when they say I'm spiritual. Oh, I have this inner feeling of connectedness to God. Well, again, and this is part of the, the issue with the victimization thing that I spoke about at the beginning of the show, is that when you take your faith out into the real world of community, that's where it starts to be tested. In your own closet, uh, you know, that that's not really where real life takes place. That's why you got to come out of the closet and then let your ideas be tested by reality. When you come out of the closet, it's not time to double down on stupid. It's time to let truth test your ideas and and refine your ideas. And that's what community is really all about. And so you see community kind of in this movie through Greg Laurie's story, how his community with his future wife and uh, eventually community with the guys of the Jesus movement who kind of had this kind of commune, uh, how that community mattered for them. And that community mattered because they were loving each other, helping each other with issues, um, giving a car to Greg Laurie when he was young so that he could go on his first date, those kind of things. They're very small and it's not the big fixture of the movie, but it is a reminder to us that community matters and we need it more than ever before. Jordan Peterson did a great thing on this. I'll link it down in the show below. Uh, where, where he kind of rebukes people say, well, I don't even believe in God, so why should I go to church? And then he talks about why it's important to go to church. Now, it's important to go to church and believe in God, but, but he makes some valid points there in terms of like, who cares what you believe? Your job is not to just, you know, be personally interested in yourself. That is not the way a society works. It's your job to take all the good things a society has to offer and try to make the most of them. And church is one of those things. I know church has gotten a bad rap, but it's undeniable. Uh, church outside of the Western civilization is absolute is an absolute myth. There is no Western civilization without the church and without community within the church. So this religious versus spiritual dichotomy is total nonsense. Um, the next thing I would say is it's a brilliant portrayal of spirit and truth. So you've got Lonnie Frisbee, who's a super charismatic guy, and you've got Chuck Smith, who in the movie, and I'll talk about this in a minute, kind of plays the crotchety fundamentalist, I think. Um, now, now, that is not entirely true, because Chuck Smith comes from Foursquare. He comes from a background of, uh, of believing in spiritual gifts and all those kind of things. But I still believe that they did a great job of trying to to look at the tension between spirit and truth. And when Chuck Smith talks to Lonnie about some of the more radical beliefs or behaviors that he's portraying. I think that's a very, very powerful point in the movie. And uh, and at one point, I think Chuck Smith says, you're just trying to blame the Holy Spirit for your bad behavior. And I think that that's an important lesson. Uh, it, we need both spirit and we need truth, right? We need the word of God, but the word of God outside of the spirit of God breathing into the life of a soul is just, is just words on a page. And trust me, we've got supposed scholars all over the Ivy League in Princeton and um, and Yale and Harvard and all these other places that they wouldn't know God from a hole in the ground. In fact, if they were walking, they saw a hole in the ground, they'd be like, is that Jesus? Um, because they've got the truth part down, but they don't have the spirit part down. So both are important. Then finally, I would say the, the hippie movement uh, portrayed in the, in the movie 
really made me start looking at the trans movement of today and really have compassion for those guys. Um, because really, in a lot of ways, the hippies were looking for for life through the use of drugs. And I couldn't help but correlate that to trans people today, especially when you look at statistics of those who are allowed to patiently wait and to seek counseling for genuine gender dysphoria and not even uh, the social contagion, of course, the social contagion, but even those who are genuinely diagnosed with gender dysphoria, if they will take the time to get counseling and wait, very often they will not desire gen supposed gender affirming care. Um, so needless to say that this idea of looking for life through drug use is um, much on display in our present in a way that we haven't really quite seen before. Um, but, it, but it reminded me that just in the way the hippies were looking for life and looking for meaning and looking for their 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 hope in something that was existential, something even outside of themselves, in the same way um, we, we can offer uh, to the trans community of today, we can offer them that hope um, in Christ and, and, and definitely should. Um, he is the anchor for our soul in uncertain times, which again brings us up to kind of this this the things that I didn't really like about the movie, and I'll just be fair warning here. I'm giving a review, so I'm trying to be as honest as I can about how I felt. So some of these things may be nitpicky, but hopefully it'll be helpful to the typology that um, of Lonnie and Chuck that I didn't really like in the movie because right now in society we're battling this idea of um, fundamentalism being bad, and the truth is is that there is no kind of there is no conflict between love and truth. There is no conflict really between the typology of Lonnie, who is the, the lover, the, the guy that just genuinely loves everybody, the hippies and everybody else, and the Chuck Smith, the fundamentalist pastor who's just kind of crotchety and he's not sure if he likes these hippies. Um, so I understand it's a movie and this wasn't true to life. Chuck Smith was loving on hippies before Lonnie ever came around um, and he was just kind of a catalyst to the movement. But, but the reality is, is that it it affirms this notion in society today that I think Christians need to fight against, that fundamentalism is bad, that there is any contradiction between love and truth, that you cannot truly love people if you're not willing to tell them the truth. So this idea, you know, you can keep your Jesus and your drugs too, the hippie movement was, um, or the Jesus movement was kind of ridiculed for that back in the day. And the truth is, is that no, like you, if you really want to be free, no, you're going to have to drop the drugs and grab a hold of just the Jesus. And there's some truths that need to come along um, into your life to help you on that journey. And this is especially important as we recognize that we're living in a desert of lies. I mean, uh, we we find that more and more the radical way to live. So if there's a marginalized community out there, it's uh, it's Christians um, because if there's a radical way to live today, it's you know go complete high school, um, go to college, then find a woman, get married to that woman, then have kids. I know, crazy, um, have kids, stay committed to that person, don't get a divorce, even crazier, and then also like go to church. Like that is the way to truly live a radical life in this day and age. And so the, the last thing I would say about this is that not only do we need to stay radically devoted to the truth in a world of secularism and postmodernism that wants to say, you know, my truth and that's your truth, but my truth is like, sh just stop it. There is no such thing as your truth. There is the truth and lies. The idea of alienating truth from love is that it doesn't take into account sin nature. When you really understand sin nature to love other people, 
you have to you have to tell them the truth. You have to help them with the things that are battling their soul and fighting against their soul. It's very important. So love as mere acceptance is a problem. Now, I wanted to show this within the context of victimization. So here's a clip from Christina Hoff Summers, who is um, an epic transphobe of sorts, according to people on Twitter. But anyway, she shows the problem with just merely treating love as acceptance. So, so here's her take on the oppression Olympics and the problem of victimization. So check it out. And the National Women's Studies Association, NWSA. So the first thing we did was break down into groups according to our grievance and healing needs. <laughs> so there were a lot of groups. Uh, there were, uh, <laughs> and there were, you know, Asian women, African-American women, old women, Jewish women, disabled women, fat women. None of these groups proved stable. There were no, by the way, there were, there were no men there to oppress us, so we did that to one another. <laughs> the fat group immediately polarized into a gay and straight faction, so they had to form a third group. Uh, there, were, there was a black lesbian group. They couldn't get along because some of them had white partners. That gave them privilege. They had to, they had to separate. And new identities emerged, a group called Women with Allergies. They formed, <laughs> I'm serious, they formed... They formed a little group. They issued demands. We were not supposed to wear perfume or dry king clothes to any future NSSA events. So I just love this, right? She goes to this women's conference and there's no men there to oppress her. So they start oppressing each other and they start fighting about their intersectionality. And this is like, this is victimization 101. I'm more victimized than you are. Now, that is a real problem in and of itself. And why you must love people with helping them get out of this nonsense is because that is an infinite regress that never ends. You can never stop trying to find something that's wrong or something that you feel victimized by, and it will never help you at all. I mean, what is the goal? What's the gold medal at the end of the Oppression Olympics exactly? Okay, fine. People hate you more than everybody else, or you're more marginalized than everybody else. I mean, is that supposed to fill your soul? This is why we must come alongside of these people who are in the victimized community and just say, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Because this is, this is a lifestyle that is never going to end. And even if it does end somewhere, it ends somewhere bad. You're never going to find the meaning and the life that you're looking for at the bottom of this, of, of the bottom of this journey. And so true love is not just acceptance for whatever marginalized identity you want to take upon yourself. True love is stop it and let's look for identity in reality. And that's why it's important for us to recognize these things, because if we don't tell the truth, there are casualties at the end of the day. So I want to I want to make you aware of this story. This is very, very sad, unfortunately. But LADA Gascon suspends prosecutor for misgendering and dead naming trans child molester accused of murder. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the story because I want to save you and myself some vomit here. That, that headline should be enough. LADA Gascon suspends prosecutor for misgendering and dead naming a trans child molester accused of murder. So it's bad enough that this person is accused of murder, right? And 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 then we go one step further and this is a trans child molester. 
which by the way is never a woman by the way it's always a man pretending to be a woman so here again we have a person who is a convicted child molester who has also killed somebody and we are worried about dead naming and misgendering this person so it, it seems like there are more rights provided to the person who claims to be a victim than there is the actual people who are being molested and murdered this is totally insane so this person is suspended because they misgendered and dead named this child molesting killer um this is nonsense is being suspended um it should suffice to say that lada gascon is a George Soros-funded DA. As we're seeing more and more of these guys crop up, I think there's over a dozen now that we found were given money by George Soros, um, and he's given millions and millions of dollars away to the Democratic Party to try to usurp the justice system in America and put in soft-on-crime DAs wherever he can. And here we have Gascon, who of course is in LA and is soft-on-crime and wants to provide more rights to the killers and the molesters than, than he does the people who are actually um, the the victims of these crimes. Um, here he is again suspending this prosecutor. Now, th this is the problem with victimization writ large, in my opinion, is that it misses the real victims. Now, I talked about this at the top of the show, but here again, uh, the victims involved here are under overshadowed by the fact that this trans child molester accused of murder just got misnamed. Now, there's also a couple of other things here. And, and again, we highlight the problem with controlling speech or manipulating speech. This is a Marxist attempt to try to malign and to try to manipulate reality. I hope we've realized this, especially for those of us who are watching that are Christians. We understand the power of words. And again, I'll talk about this on Thursday, so you don't want to miss that show. But the power of words create reality. It does kind of create a hierarchy of sorts. This is where guys like Derrida are correct. But the question is never, is there a hierarchy in society? Is The question is, is the hierarchy based upon truths that are important? Is it based upon reality? And the Marxist wants to deny reality by changing language because language creates perception and perception for so many people creates a reality, for the, especially for those who are not truly aware of truth. Now, the other issue is here is that victimization creates a permanent class of offended people. And that's no way to conduct a society. Now, think about this. We're suspending a prosecutor because he dead named a child molesting murderer. Now, what should be read is that the guy actually called him by his biological sex and his real name. And so, like, since when is reality such a horrible thing? But, but, but we're giving power to the offended, and you have to understand the risks of that. Not only the risk of being offended, but also the risk of providing rights to those who are offended. It's obviously something that can be easily misrepresented and usurped. And, and, and the problem is, is we do no favors to the people who are suffering from the kind of dementia that you need to, to participate in acts of child molestation and murder. Right. So now we're simply affirming, even if it's in an indirect way, affirming this child molesting murderer by saying, hey, we, you know, we're going to protect your rights. We're going to protect your feelings. Your feelings matter to us. Look, I'm sorry, guys. Our society is better off when a child molesting murderer doesn't think that we care about his feelings and we think we care about his sin. This is a problem for Christians more and more these days. Sure. Care about the individual. Care enough about him so that you will desire justice for the families and justice for the individual, 
right? Because I, I could pinpoint the fact that if you're showing more compassion for this individual than you are for these families, that you don't understand what love actually is. But, but I'll be nice today and I'll just say this, that you don't even understand compassion for this individual because accountability is compassion for this individual. Now, again, uh, if we're gonna truly talk about accountability, we'll go to our final story here, and we wanna talk about the victimization class of the body positivity crowd. Now, this is gonna come in a way that's a little bit different because we're, we're not gonna be talking about the, uh, uh, the, the Lizzo's of the world. We're gonna be talking about those who actually have nice, nice bodies, and now they have joined the victimized class and are complaining that they have to work hard on their bodies to actually look, look good. Um, but, but obviously the body positivity issue is, um, the reason why it's, it's really dangerous is because ultimately body positivity is all about advocating for unhealthy body types and unhealthy lifestyles. Like this is, this is not the kind of thing that compassionate people do. They, they encourage healthy dieting and healthy lifestyles. We don't say any body type you are, no matter how morbidly obese you are, is, is positive. And, and we have to be careful about the messages that we're sending to people, uh, especially when it comes from somebody who actually has a nice body that's ideal that we should want to look up to and we should respect. And this is coming from a person I've never heard of before, but apparently a WWE star, Leah Van Dale. And she said this, WWE star Leah Van Dale says she felt pressure to have a six pack. As a wrestler, you need to have a specific physique. What? Wrestlers are challenged to have a six pack? No, 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 friend. Wait, what a second. Are we talking about sumo wrestlers? No, WWE. Okay, yes, yes, actually, I've heard wrestling, by the way, called a uh, a bodybuilding soap opera. So it's a soap opera with bodybuilders. And that's exactly what wrestling is, by the way. I'm sorry for those of you in the South who grew up watching wrestling. I'm at NWO, I'm with you. Um, I, I loved Hulk Hogan as a kid. He was my man. I've got a picture of him. You can see it right here. Um, and uh, and so I met him just recently. Uh, but anyway, so so yes, I, I grew up watching wrestling too at the risk of revealing that I that I grew up kind of white trashy. I watched it, I liked it, but but I'm sorry to reveal to you that, yes, um, wrestling for those hardened, hardcore, beer-drinking rednecks, wrestling is a soap opera with bodybuilders. It's the weirdest thing ever, but nonetheless, people like it. And um, while I no longer uh, wish to ever watch a single episode, uh, because even wokeness has now found its way into wrestling, I, I still need to, to mention it to you because... There's, there's a dangerous flip side for what Leah Van Dale wants to try to communicate here, even though she thinks she's virtue signaling and she's finding solidarity with the, with the fat people of the world. And by the way, um, fat is a body type now. That's what they want to be called. Uh, anyhow, uh, she'll go on and she, she says things like this in this article about her marginalized and difficult lifestyle because she had to work on her six pack. She said... I truly hate the, oh, I want to see you eat. What are you going to eat? Make sure you eat that. She says, no matter the intention, Vandale says the comments are offensive and reductive. Now, we get this a lot, by the way, on social media as it pertains to the whiz kids that uh, think they know something about, about raising children. Uh, that they say, we want our children to have a healthy relationship with food. So telling them to finish your plate is not healthy. Uh, now, she's, I think, saying this more broadly, but I just want to address this as it pertains to kids to give you some parenting pro tips. Finish your plate is incredibly healthy. When your children say, I don't like this, 
it's typically not a plea of honesty. I know you, those little children, the utopianists want to believe that they were born perfect and would never tell a lie, but ultimately they're typically looking for fruity pebbles or tricks or something with marshmallows, Lucky Charms will do. Um, by the way, the Lucky Charms, can we just stop the denial? I mean, a while back, I guess we did start it. We just now make Lucky Charms with just the marshmallows. The 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 Lucky Charms is only good for the marshmallows. Let's just be really clear. So so ultimately, when kids are just saying that they don't like what's in front of them, they're only saying, please give me the sugar alternative. And if you're a good parent, you say, no, you finish your plate. And then maybe we'll talk about something like that. Also, what, whatever happened, these leftists that are all up in the body positivity movement, whatever happened to like wastefulness is bad. Some part of me misses old school liberals because they were the ones who were saying, hey, there's hungry kids in Africa. You need to finish your plate. Like there's some truth to that. We want our kids not to be wasteful. And more importantly, we want our kids to be healthy. And if they don't ever eat good food, what's placed in front of them, they won't be. And we want them to be grateful for what they are given. This is incredibly important. Uh, because little children are born ungrateful and they want what they want and not what they don't want, right? They're like all of us, except we have to realize the hard facts of life that sometimes vegetables just have to be eaten, regardless of whether you want to complain about it or not. So uh, complaining about someone urging you to do something you don't want to do is incredibly unhealthy. There's all sorts of things that we should do, regardless of if we want to do it or not. So yeah, Kids, finish your plate, drink your milk, eat your vitamins. Um, but there's a final point that I wanted to point out here. She, she makes one more statement that I think is in, important to notice. She says, when I started out, I had so much pressure, like I have to be fit. I want to have a six pack. I need to keep this up. I mean, as a wrestler, you need to have a specific physique. Uh, yeah. And look a certain way. And that's what, kind, and that's kind of what set me apart too, as I, always had a defined body and things like that. And I tried to keep that up, she says. This often meant pushing her body past its limits to the brink of exhaustion. For a long time, I was always lifting weights and tearing my body apart on the road with wrestling. Then when I'm home, I'm lifting weights and I was just feeling so weak. My body was hurting so much. Uh, this woman just accidented her way into an argument, actually, that I think is very important. The way your body builds muscle is it tears into your muscles, and then it rebuilds muscles on top of those tears. That's the way a body builds more muscle mass and the way the body becomes strong. It tears down, and then it builds up, almost like the way we should be living life that we should be confronted with realities, tear down false idols, and then rebuild truth in its place. So she kind of accidents her way into that, to that argument, but just a final comment about this. The reason she was working hard was so that she could make hundreds of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. And we're supposed to feel sorry for you for this? You had a wonderful physique and you had hundreds of thousands of dollars, more money than most people will ever make in their life and more followers on social media, more than most people will ever find. And we're supposed to feel sorry for you. So it's very clear here at the end of the day that this woman wants to claim victimized status because all of the followers and all of the money didn't actually make her happy. And so now she's journeyed into the world of intersectionality and identity politics and the body positivity movement to try to tell the world that, oh, this is an artificial goal. You can't make this, this happen for you. And we need to quit putting these standards before people because they're incredibly marginalizing and oppressive. 
No, more importantly, the lesson that we should take away from this woman's life is that thousands of followers and thousands of dollars don't really make you happy. Just like victimization doesn't make you happy. The oppression Olympics doesn't make you happy. It just makes you bitter. Anyway, all the money in the world and all the fame in the world will never be enough to fill your soul. And apparently, because this woman isn't even willing to fill her body because she doesn't even want to eat the food that's placed in front of her. But all jokes aside, we're dealing with an existential crisis that comes as a result of the death of God that's been happening since the 70s and even before that. And here are people like myself along the way, along this journey called life, crying out to those of you who have looked for life in the garbage bins of society, saying that there is real life found in something that is much more eternal and much more permanent. Now, I want to make one final plea here because, again, as I was watching the movie Jesus Revolution, I couldn't help but think about the trans community. If you just happen to be watching this and you're in the detransitioner community and you've started to realize that the things that were promised you in the gender-affirming care big pharma community and you realize that there was nothing at the bottom of that other than pain, I want to encourage you that the journey that you've been on has been leading you to this very moment where you could possibly even hear the words that are coming out of my mouth now to tell you that there is hope in Jesus, that you weren't able to find it in gender-affirming care, you weren't able to find it in drugs and puberty blockers and the like, but you can find it in something much bigger and more permanent, and you can find it in your soul when you accept Christ. Now, I don't often do this on the show because I don't want to turn this into a Bible study or a mere opportunity for evangelism. I want you to know the truth, and then I want you to think about the truth for yourself. But let me just stand at one side today and just tell you this. As you start to grapple with truth in a world of lies, you will find that there's a book and there's a man that walked the seas of Galilee that is there to help you every step along the way if you're willing to cry out to him. And I can only hope if you're a Christian and you're watching this that you're aiding in that mission to help those in the victimized and the oppressed communities and thinking that they'll find life there. You're helping those people come out by telling the truth. And if you are, I'd love to hear from you down in the comments section below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, go with God. 